Astonishing Legends would like to thank the Great Courses Plus, Best Fiends, Squarespace, ExpressVPN, our contributors at Patreon.com, and you, our listeners, for making tonight's show possible. A few weeks ago, I was streaming a paranormal investigation show called Knock Knock Ghost. The show featured a psychic medium named James G. Hunt, who would go to various locations in eastern Canada with the hosts and offer his interpretations of what he encountered. I was intrigued by his no-nonsense approach and was talking with a friend about the show when she informed me that Mr. Hunt was not only available for private readings, but was also offering a discounted rate during the quarantine. My curiosity was already piqued, so I reached out to him and scheduled a session. A few days after that, Scott and I talked about the experience, which I found enlightening and intriguing. After sharing some of the details I got with Scott, we decided to arrange a reading for him, and not only that, record it for an episode. What follows is the conversation we both had with James G. Hunt. There were some observations and predictions made about Scott, but not only that, we discussed a possible future for Astonishing Legends as well. Something strange happens when you let go of the question, does this or could this work? Regardless of whether you believe in it or not, once you set that query aside, you begin to focus on, if this is real, how might it work? What are the rules? Where does the information come from? Tonight, we encourage you to move past determinations of whether or not this is real. Put the information that Mr. Hunt offers into the what-if category, and when the show is over, you can go back to whatever you believe before it started, if that suits you. We're betting that you'll come out of it feeling a little differently than you did going in. Welcome back to Astonishing Legends. I'm Scott Philbrook, and this is Forrest Burgess. Don't try to comprehend with your mind. Your minds are very limited. Use your intuition. Madeline Lingle, author of A Wrinkle in Time. Join us tonight for our visit with psychic medium James G. Hunt. That we are. Thanks for joining us again, folks. A very little housekeeping tonight, but a few quick things we did want to say. First of all, I'd like to give a warm thank you to all of our new patrons at patreon.com. We hope you're enjoying the extra content there. And we wanted to point out, because one of our new members, Tristan Rader, actually brought this up when he joined, we have commercial-free versions of the show up there. <laughs> yeah, Tristan was all like, I had no idea. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe we should mention that more on the air. So every week when we post the show, we post a commercial-free version of it on Patreon within 24 hours of the official show going up. Usually it's before, but if we get caught in a bottleneck for some reason, it may go up a little after. We actually recorded tonight's show on Zoom, as well as some of the earlier ones we did. That's what a lot of our bonus content is uh, lately. And in a few weeks, we will get that posted on Patreon for those of you who actually want to see that interview, and it will be very lightly edited. Well, I, I will be heavily edited because I was very stumbly. <laughs> I don't fix <laughs> that. I don't fix that when I'm putting the videos together. Right, Sarah fixes that for our audio, but uh, I'm not, All right. I don't, I ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Well, I'll, I'll just be Mr. Jump Cuddy. Yeah, so. you weren't that stumbly. I didn't think you did that mm. Yeah, well, everyone will see the stuff. truth. Well, you, if you want to peel the curtain back, join Patreon and, and <laughs> wait for the videos to come out that show how we really are. 
<laughs> right, right. Thank you to all of our new patrons at all tiers of support. And also thank you to all of you who continue to take advantage of the sponsor offers you hear on the show. That keeps the show free to listen to. So thank you so much. Well, this show came around kind of suddenly on us. We, we It wasn't in the pipeline a long time, which sometimes we like to do just to, I think, to mix things up for ourselves. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what's interesting about this is, uh, you know, for me, I hadn't actually personally spoken to a psychic since I told my story about getting that reading from Rebecca Fearing at John Cryer's house about five and a half years ago, that <laughs> oh, weird geez. story. Yeah, that was January 2015. And, and yeah, that was uh, episode nine, if you can believe that. Great name, though. The Psychic, The Birds, and Ollie, The Crime-Fighting Dog. I think that's the longest, craziest episode name we've ever had. And it, well, it's not the longest one you've proposed. No, it's possibly maybe not. Maybe the longest one we've gone with, yeah. Yeah, that, that <laughs> show was uh, chock-a-block with info, mm. and also our saltiest guest <laughs> ever from yeah. back before we censored episodes. <laughs> Does that have an E rating? It did. Okay. Yeah, right. initially. Did you clean it back up? Yeah, uh, we went back and cleaned later? it up, or Sarah did, okay, I think. Good. I, I, at least I have a memory of that. That also could have been a dream, and maybe it never happened. So if you download that episode, <laughs> you're going to hear about 5,000 yeah. F-bombs because it's just part yeah. of Eric's general day-to-day -day vernacular. <laughs> well, he works in the entertainment industry and they're very uh, feisty, salty people. Yes, so uh, you won't hear it from us, uh, hopefully, but uh, yeah, him definitely. But it's a really interesting episode. And it's interesting you bring that up because what I've learned is that there's a difference between being a psychic and a medium. Yes. And then some people are psychic mediums. And we'll have Jim explain what he thinks of his own abilities later on. But I've come to believe it as being a medium is getting information from the spirit world, from spirits directly, who are sending that medium the information. If you believe in that stuff, that's how it works. And if you don't, it doesn't really make a difference, does it? Right. <laughs> a psychic, however, gets the information directly from some other source. And you could consider that maybe that's more like the Akashic record that we've been talking about so much of late. But it's not really through spirit guides or spirit entities on the other side delivering the information. It just kind of comes more directly. That's just my thinking on it. It comes from the giant filing cabinet in the sky. That, the Akashic <laughs> record, that's it. As opposed to uh, somebody who's been on this side or something that's been on this side and gone to the other side and is now sending messages back, right? Right, well, yeah, yeah I mean, James gets information, I would say, from both places. I hope that's accurate. Right, He well, he calls himself a psychic medium. Actually, and why, don't, right. why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about him? James G. Hunt, or, or Jim, is a intuitive psychic slash medium. So he describes himself as empathetic. And he's really a fascinating guy. He was born in Montreal and realized he had a very strong sixth sense when he was just seven years old. And his mom helped him cultivate that skill. And after a couple of decades in the corporate world, he completed a training program and became a life coach. And he felt like this was a good way to use what he could to help people understand their personal path. So I had first discovered Jim when I was watching the show Knock Knock Ghost on Amazon Prime. So I was on my big screen TV streaming it on one of the channels and I've been going through a lot of ghost shows. I mean, that's one of the things I don't usually have time for, but during this trying time, been binging a lot of shows. And and, and yeah, because I don't have cable, I don't get all those other uh, ones that everyone else is really familiar with. I have to kind of get the ones that pop up on Netflix and Amazon Prime and uh, various shows. So I hadn't seen a lot of them and I was kind of enjoying them. But they do have different vibes and flavors, of course, as everyone knows that's familiar with them depending on the hosts. 
And this one has a really different spin on it, let's say. Different types of hosts. There's a lot more uh, humor with it. They're charming and funny, the two main hosts. And Jim is the resident medium on it. So the way the show works, and I'm not sure if we got this out of him when we start the interview, is that he'll go into a place, and usually this is Eastern Canada, so Toronto, Montreal, old places with a lot of history, and of course a lot of spirits there, if you believe in that, and a lot of really cool historical facts. A lot of forts, old mansions, there was an asylum, a prison, you know, those types of places. And the way Jim likes to do it is that he goes in not knowing anything about it. I mean, yeah, sure, he may know the name, but he doesn't do a lot of research. He likes to go in cold, as they say, and just pick up impressions as he walks about with just one or two cameras following him. And he'll just and he'll just describe what kinds of messages are coming to him, feelings, emotions, what he sees. He can see things that uh, the rest of us can, as I suppose a lot of mediums can. And then the hosts of the show, plus their camera crew, will come in while he's there, and they'll get a sense of all the places that Jim visited, and the activity usually ramps up, and what's kind of funny is they use a spirit box, or as one of the hosts, uh, stand-up comedian Richard Ryder calls it, the broken radio, because <laughs> it just, you know, it's like, it makes that noise. What's really compelling and chilling is that a lot of the stuff that comes through the radio, if you believe that it's communication from the other side, confirms what Jim has been saying prior to that about his different feelings. So it's, yeah, I found it fascinating and I really liked his approach. He's he's very gentle, he's respectful. He's not so much shouting at the ghosts and spirits to generate activity. He's not provoking like you'll see a lot of other hosts on shows do because what you can tell is nothing was happening before that. So he's got a very nice, even tone. He just gives off a good vibe. So I thought, well, you know what? I, it's probably been maybe 10 or 15 years since I've spoken with somebody with psychic abilities who gave me a quote-unquote reading. So I thought, well, let me try this. And also there was a special going on for coronavirus. So <laughs> the discount did not hurt. So I pitched it to Scott, let's do a reading for you and put it on the show. Maybe that'll be funny or just really embarrassing for you. So <laughs> either way, great entertainment. Well, I, I knew that I had the power to ask Sarah to cut things if it got embarrassing. But, I, you know, it, it was okay. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. There, you know, and we had some conversations that will remain off the record that uh, that were right. more personal. But but the bulk of it, you know, 85 to 90% of it, you guys are going to hear tonight. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. Let's get into it, right? All right. Well, roll that beautiful bean interview, Sarah. People aren't going to know what that is. Really? They don't know I the don't bean know. footage? Yeah, I okay. guess you could. Leave okay. it in. It'll be a mystery. Okay. Okay. Right. And then sort of leave that part in. I'm discussing that. Yeah. There, no one's going to know. Do that. Yeah, know. she's going to. Yeah, she does whatever she wants these days. She does not take orders. I know. Much. She's gone rogue. It's fine. Welcome to the show. It is an honor to meet you and have you on the show, especially on such short notice. Forrest had told me about the session he had with you. And then I watched a couple of episodes of Not Not Ghost, which I greatly enjoyed. I thought it was both Thank amusing you. and frightening at the same time. And uh, <laughs> um, I, you know, I had a few questions about some of those things there. But the other thing I wanted to do with you, insofar as you're comfortable with it, and and before I get too uncomfortable, is maybe have a reading with you live that we can share with our listeners and say hello. And and you can just let this flow however you want if you want to introduce yourself. And I know that you've been doing a lot of this lately, especially with all the quarantine stuff. It's unbelievable how much I've been doing. Uh, I'm enjoying this. My name is Jim Hunt. I'm a psychic medium. I'm 61 years old, uh, married a second time. I got a beautiful wife, Jill, who is a professional stand-up comedian, and they, she makes my life amazing. <laughs> and I have a beautiful, beautiful three-year-old daughter, Amelia, who uh, 
who has a lot of my abilities already because she was able to read aura colors on our hands just about a month ago, which freaked both of us out because I wasn't prepared for that even. (laughs) I really wasn't because I really noticed my own skills around the ages of five, six. And this kid is already telling me, hey, how come you guys got rainbows on your fingers? And we're going, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? Let's just read Peppa Pig and go to sleep. (laughs) I I need to know what those fingers mean. So once she gets a little older, I think she's going to make define her own aura colors, the way that she sees them, because that's how I did it. That's how I learned, basically. Do you think that there's a genetic component to what you're able to do? 110%. Right. I find that it's uh, the hereditary side of it. I have a, a grandmother, part Native Indian, French Canadian who married a very old-schooled Hungarian gypsy Oh wow! who jumped ship in 1919 to come to Canada from Boston. So it's just like a, a real wise, weird tale. But uh, my mother was very intuitive because of my grandmother. Uh, my sisters inherited some, but not what I've inherited, which is kind of insane. I was never used to it. I was chastised, abused. I was put into an institution for about five days to try and figure out that I was the youngest schizophrenic in Canada at the time. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Because my mother um, finally figured it all out, I guess, in her own way. I got uh, visitation rights at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was gone by 7 o'clock the next morning because she leaned over the little half glass of our table that we were able to talk to. And she just said, just tell them you were telling them lies. Just tell them you were lying the whole time. So I told the physicians or the psychiatrists and therapists that I was lying. And sadly, because it was the 60s, these psychiatrists and therapists who were really doing a number on me said that you have a prolific liar and that uh, your son is going to die before the age of 16. Good Lord. So that was something to look forward to. My mother just said uh, in her own way, like, thank you very much. And then F you at the same time, (laughs) but just was able to do the whole thing. And from that day on, except for a few instances, I kept it quiet until about the age of 19. Okay. Because of the experience. Sure, sure. Well, how did your experiences first start off? Because Jim and I had a session. That's what got this ball rolling. And you mentioned when, I think your first instance of getting a message, let's say, from somewhere else outside of yourself, you were a child that had lost a toy that you were looking for? Yes, I was in the sandbox of the past winter and it was spring early spring and if you remember the gi joes and the uh, astronaut gi joes i left the space capsule and the gi joe well buried into the sand and uh, i had no clue i had completely forgotten about it i was five-ish i guess by that time and uh, all i said it's just go look over there and i'm i'm looking around because i'm the only kid in the sandbox that was built by all the parents in this neighborhood and it just said again go look over there. My instinct sent me to a far corner and I started digging and lo and behold, I had my GI Joe with the time capsule or the space capsule in my hand. Lasted the whole winter, didn't crack and I had it for another year. That's amazing. <laughs> it, is, it was really cool. It was really cool. And to that day, I still don't know who that guide was. I have no clue. Is that guide still around, you think? Has no, this is something you? that people don't get. And this is what I'm trying to teach people. I'm going to be trying to write a book. My time is spent with my family as much as I can and uh, trying to get the second show on the road and trying to do all of this stuff. Uh, we have a changing of the spiritual guard, just guides, just like we do in the UK. They have 
The guards that change every couple of hours, we have them change every couple of years or soul level that we move up. So it's kind of interesting the way that happens because when I'm doing something new, I've got a whole new set of guys that are coming in and so saying, are you going to really do it that way? Why are you doing it this way? You better be quiet a little bit. Don't do that at all. I'll get yelled and screamed at in certain ways. And I still have my mother around me and she'll give me the cuff behind the ear like she used to do the whole time. And I'll have a red ear from doing it. I really do. They change quite drastically. Uh, I do have a permanent guide, but people have a hard time understanding that. And it's a cat. A cat. Now, does it communicate you with you? Look at where it goes, right? I love it. But does it communicate with you like verbally or is it more just like... Uh, like, yeah, it's not even a mural. Yeah, it's um, the cat is completely blind, no eyes. So it's the, all you see is sockets. The cat is mangy. The cat is black. So that's what people would normally see in the spirit world or expect to see. But this cat was just a black dead cat, a spirit cat that just got roadkill, I guess, and just ended up being with me because I had seen that cat when I was a kid, and I guess the spirit of that cat showed up, and that has cat has protected me numerous times in so many instances just by its tail what's an example of how that works uh we were at an asylum in london ontario i was walking towards the morgue i had no clue that we were walking towards the morgue because they don't in the show they don't tell me where i'm going i just take off and go and these had miles and miles of tunnels and we were walking towards the morgue so this cat is always walking ahead of me like any cat would do i think it just because of the independence so the cat's tail was straight up and slightly curved up saying, be careful in front of you. So I'm looking and there was someone who was a murderer that was still there in the morgue because he had unresolved instances with one of the nurses that had abused him. So he was looking for that nurse. Oh, wow. To return the favor. And we're talking spirits now. We're talking yeah. spirits, sorry. The nurse spirit as well because she had passed of brain cancer 12 years prior to that. Wow. But it was that kind of thing. And the cat's tail will move to the left to watch out to the left. The cat's tail will go down if something's coming up from the ground. Left, right, it doesn't wag its tail and say, look around, do a 360. It doesn't do anything like that. Very primitive, <laughs> but it's it works. And it's worked for me since I was a kid. It's not necessarily that different from a, a living cat's body language, though, if it's encountering something. I mean, I've had a lot of cats and the tails do communicate a lot, especially when they're when they're onto something. So that's I think that's pretty interesting. You know how they when they're chasing a bird or a squirrel. Yeah, they, they get that question get that mark vibration shape. as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I get that vibration and I'm I, that's when I'm paying attention. Oh, wow. So the cat has seen everything for me with its senses, except for sight. So you're talking about it like the spirit of an actual cat, not the cat being a representation or an avatar for another intelligence, let's say. Absolutely not. This is a beautiful feline black cat, <laughs> mangy. I don't even have a name for it. I don't think I want to give it a name. Yeah. I just call it the cat. That's amazing. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> Thank you. You're the very first people to know that this is the very first podcast that I've ever told anyone that. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I love that story. I like how different it is and how open it is. It's, I think it's a mistake for people to try to categorize what you experience. And which brings me to another question. And I do, I'm very interested, first of all, before we even started recording, you said, oh, sure. you have a lot of spirits around you. So of course I want to get to that pretty soon, but I, but I, <laughs> yes, <we will. laughs> I have a pressing question though. 
Yeah. And that relates to your show that you have now. That's called uh, Knock Knock Ghost. Do you want to tell our audience a little bit about it before we go any further? Sure. So um, I, I am going to go back to how this all started. because People are very curious about this. Sure. My wife does stand-up comedy. And she was performing at a comedy club. And um, one of the people that were performing was Richard Ryder, who was part of the show. Yes. And he was looking for a psychic. And they were looking for a psychic that was gay. And that's the only thing that it didn't work was I, I wasn't that. But he was still very interested. Of course, I always get tested by people, right? So he's asking me the typical questions and everything else. And I'm going... I'll answer all the questions that you need to know and I'll do that. And I'm frustrated at this point because it's hard after so many years that people are just going, ah, yeah, not believing. Yeah. So all I did was I stepped in and I just said, look, your dad abandoned you. Your mother was overbearing. She loved your brother more than you. And you're still hurt by that, but you're still trying to fix your mom. And he cried. That's it. <laughs> he just said, I'm going to give wow. this producer a call. I really want you to meet him. Yeah. Because wow. I was the only one who knew that about him. Right. And he'll repeat that story. So it's not like it's nothing that hasn't been told. Yeah, sure. So it went from there. And that's how I met the producer, Kyle, uh, Knock Knock Ghost. And they wanted to put humor, of course, because uh, they wanted to put the humor with the drama or the fear. So we evolved in the two years that we worked together. And everyone was always trying to antagonize a ghost or piss a ghost off. And I'm just like, I didn't grow up that way. Like, mm -hmm. it, I treat a human being better than you should be treating a ghost or a spirit the same way. Mm -hmm. There are poltergeists, but we can get into that later on. But most ghosts, they want our attention. They want to say something. They want closure. They want to go to the light. They don't want to be in this area anymore. They don't want to be in this plane. They've had enough. And so I'm usually just saying, hey, how are you? How you doing? Oh, I'm very sorry to hear you passed. Oh, that's too bad. Do you look at the light? Have you gone to the light? And I don't understand yet to this day why they don't see a light. Mm -hmm. I see the light before they see the light. That's your big question. Yeah, that's my big question because they should be gone to the light, but they're not. So I look, I pay attention. I say, if you look to your right, your mom is calling you or your dad's lending an ear. Your grandpa's waiting for you. Your sister's waiting for you. Turn around and take a look. Sometimes I get a name and I'll just say, you have to go in. Ellen wants to see you. And, and they turn around and go, Ellen. And then I don't even see them anymore. They're like, there's no thank you. There's no. Right. <laughs> they don't come running back out of the light and just say, oh, yeah, thanks a lot, by the way. <laughs> they're just like, they're gone. And that's, I get gratification out of that because they're gone. They move to the light. So that's basically what I was doing. And some of the places that we went to were horrible in the sense like the forts and stuff like that where so much carnage took place. These people were living in horrors still day after day, like a groundhog day, and just going through the whole process. And I'm just sitting there going, this is like way too much. And I would try and calm them down. They wouldn't calm down. So that's when you get, I, I become a little bit more assertive, but not like a bully, not like a bully at all. I'm trying to get their attention. I'm only a bully when a poltergeist will scratch me or I've been shivved. If you saw one of the shows at the prison. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't see that one. Oh, I want to see that. Uh, I only saw the first two so far. And we didn't know. And I was bleeding as I was going up these stairs. And they're just saying, Jim, you're bleeding. I'm going, I have a little bit of pain. And I had a, a, a mark being shivved in my side. And I yeah. can't reach it. Yeah. You can see it on camera. I saw that episode. Oh, wow. Uh, it's definitely, yeah, I definitely made it uh, on a camera. And there's something there. It's under his shirt. So here's a quick philosophical question. 
because of some of the stories we've encountered, and especially some that have a darker side to them and expressions we've heard about light and spirits being drawn to the light of the living, has it ever been described to you by someone from the other side as to what you look like to them? Is it possible that they're seeing light everywhere and they can't calculate the difference between seeing you or other living souls as opposed to the light that's the exit or another departed family member or something? Can I put that in my book? <laughs> if it makes sense to you, it's a theory. <laughs> it's a good theory. I, I thank you. I, I listen, honest to God, Scott, I never even thought about it that way. I know that we're confusing when the live people are there and we're confusing to the dead because we're not answering them as number one. Uh-huh. They're seeing us as beings. We are full of energy because we're alive. And the light energy that they're looking for, that is the portal of their next life to come or moving forward into another plane. So that's a great analogy, man. It's just like, where the hell do you come from? (laughs) (laughs) We have very limited experience compared to somebody like you, but we have encountered a lot of interesting stories and, and had some personal experiences over the past several years. So I have a developing philosophy, I guess. I think that was rooted in and forced. You might have to remind me which, if that was a Jim Harold story or whatever the story, there was a story that came from somewhere where a dark spirit said to a living person, the voice that she heard was, I'm going to eat your light. And that was the first thing that made me think about what that light might look like to something on the other side. Yeah. I mean, there's several anecdotes. And of course, you know, us uh, not having any talent in mediumship. Oh, I think you you guys don't have talent in mediumship, but you guys have a very keen purple aura about you. You guys are very sensitive to things, both of you. Well, thank you. I, it comes from, you know, first, before we start even doing the show, being inquisitive and, and wondering about stuff. I think that's the first step. And then once you start hearing all these stories, well, all we can do is make connections to anecdotes that we tend to believe in and people we tend to trust. And you hear these stories, you start hearing things. And so you put together these patterns. And what Scott was talking about is I believe that came from an EVP that oh, yeah. was we'd come across from one of our shows. However, Jim Harold, who does a uh, a podcast of uh, he does several. One is campfire stories where people call in with their paranormal experiences, many of them spiritual. The thing that I noticed that twice is a saying. Two of my favorite episodes was a very similar phrase, and that was uh, one gentleman heard saw the spirit coming down the stairs in a really deep bass, sense around sounding voice coming out. Oh my, what a mirror image we are. Yeah. And then I noticed that another, like maybe a year or so later, right. another woman saw a pool of light form above, above the ceiling. She said it looked like light coming down through water. And she heard a voice, oh my love, what a mirror image we are, or something similar to that. So you wonder about how much are we mirrored to the other side and what does that mean if that's exactly what these people heard? And then of course, I've heard from other mediums that we, they can see us, but we look like we're underwater it's not completely clear. And so I think that's what Scott's getting at. How do they see the living world? So my interpretation is they can even see the color of my eyes. So I'm not assuming that they, they tell me, hey, the guy with the blue eyes over there, he can see us. They've talked to it and they'll admit to it. It's not someone saying, oh, Jim has blue eyes because no one mentioned that, but they automatically say, hey, this guy's got blue eyes. Go see that guy. He might be able to direct you where you need to go. So I think that they have as much clarity as I have with them because I'm seeing apparitions and spirit bodies that are just like yours. But I also see them in a very clouded state because they're very weak, vulnerable, been attacked by poltergeists, been attacked by minion type energy. 
and it depletes them. So they are begging to go to the light. And that's why you find them. There's the light. Turn left. Listen to your mom. Go. They are so ready. It's in an instant. They're not saying thank you. They're escaping for their own spiritual lives. What do you see? How does this work? What do you see in your mind's eye? We can anticipate what people are going to ask. It's like, well, if you see apparitions and you hear things, is it a voice in your head? How is much it is it like Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost? That's what we want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I never even saw that movie. You I, haven't I seen it? You know what? No. First, you have to see it because her experience, it's fascinating. There's a, there's a fascinating component. I see yet. him like try to do pottery behind her. And I was like, <laughs> I, just... I can't even relate to it. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have said the sixth sense, maybe I would have yes. been okay with that. Yeah. When that boy did see the person who had the accident and they walked by the car because he knew that that person was dead, uh-huh. you can feel the death happen. You can feel the dead die or the living about ready to die. That would be better said. Right. I see them just like I see you. They're not solid figures, but they are. You can put your hands through them, but they're still there. Half of them don't even know that they've passed. And uh, which is the sad thing, which is what I believe I've been put on this earth for was to send people to the light. But they talk to me. They'll warn me about things. They've warned me so many times. I'm just going to use an example here in my own neighborhood. I have seen more spirits walking the streets and in shopping, parking centers, people's homes. And there are more spirit that I've seen in the last 10 weeks than I've seen in my lifetime. You think that's related to the pandemic? Absolutely. These spirits, just like what I'm doing for them by sending them to the light, I can honestly, honestly tell you that these spirits are trying to take care of the people that are not well or to protect us from this situation. And they direct us saying, hey, back off. Don't go to that grocery store. You better go home. Don't get into that car. Stop. Don't go near that bus. Don't go near here. Don't go near there. And you get this feeling, an overwhelming feeling of, okay, my sixth sense is coming on here. Even if you're not paying attention, they're going, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put my mask on today. I'm going to, you know, because there's mask shaming now, which is really heavy duty. And I'm not one to complain about it, but it's just, I think the spirits are watching over us so well right now, because those are the IOUs that they're giving us. It could be your grandfather, your grandmother, uncle, aunt, anybody. But the amount of spirit that I see just down my own street is phenomenal. That begs a new question for me in terms of like that guidance. If it is, you know, the grandfather or somebody like that who's departed, does that mean that that person that is departed so long ago and is around maybe to guide you or help you a little bit is having problems themselves finding the light as you're talking about? Or can they have found that and they come back to assist I guess what I'm asking is if someone that you're connected to or not or whatever is assisting you for whatever reason that they might have, does that mean that that party themselves is having a problem getting to the other side? That's a fully loaded question with so many different variables. Uh A majority of the time, spirits have gone to the light. They have unfinished business with their family that they need to complete or they are going to act as our guides in that soul life because when I'm ready to pass, I'm going to be pulled into the light automatically, and I'm going to restart my life with my then grandfather from that soul life, or my mother, or my dad, uncle, aunt, or a best friend. So the answer is they come back. They're there to protect us. They're there to give us answers, give us hope, make us live a little bit longer. But they're going to wait for us for the next soul life to move on so that we can grow together. He probably didn't learn things, and now he realized that he had to. 
and he didn't learn them because I didn't learn them. So we're going to learn them together in the next life. We, we expedientiate our spiritual lives. We move and get better and better each time we live. Not all the time, but a majority of the time. The ones that are lost, they cling to us. And you can ask any medium, any medium, even a psychic too, but you can ask any medium that you get the clingers. You get the ones that will hold on to you. And people think that I might be a little bit exhausted more than I am regularly on a, on a, during a day. And then I'll have uh, a demonologist just say, you don't have a demon on you, but you really should get rid of that old man beside you. And I'm going, what? Because I don't feel them. Right. Because I thought I'd let it go. And even I don't feel them. And off they go because they just hide. They just sit there in your presence, in your, in your energy, and they feed off of that. And they're too afraid to move on to the light. And then I just say, okay, time to go. When you have a session with Jim, it's very conversational. It's very easygoing. You feel very comfortable. But I think stuff comes to you. So, I, you know, I was going to say before we started, like, if anything pops up uh, with any of us, because that's also how it works for you is that you have to see the person, right? A majority of the time, I have to see somebody beside you. The psychics, they get the greatest information without seeing somebody. And I yeah. love them for that. Yeah. And I get that sometimes from a strong spirit that doesn't show. I do get that. But a majority of the time, I'm looking at your guides. I'm looking at your mom. I'm looking at your grandfather, Forrest. You know, he's like, he's on you. Like, get a haircut, boy. Like, you know, <laughs> and it's boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. No, for Scott, you're surrounded by women. Okay. A lot of women. They're saying that you're so tense and you don't know how to calm down. You've never been calm for as long as you've been 11. And they don't quite get your, your fears. Like you do this and you clamp up. As soon as I talk about you, yeah. you all of a sudden you do this. You turn into this freaking statue because you're afraid of what I'm going to say or think about you, which is wrong. You have to honestly think that I'm looking at you and I'm going, you're a good man. You've had a lot of bullshit happen to you in your past. You've never really quite qualified yourself into something that you believed in until you started doing this about six years ago maybe a little longer. You felt more confident all of a sudden because people were actually listening to something that you had to say that wasn't a friend. So you ended up building this new sense of confidence that has helped you in your personal life. And that's what's changing now. That's how come you're evolving. You just need to feel the presence of the spirits around you trying to give you information to listen to. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to take this, you're going to go from podcast, which you, you guys know you're going to end up with some kind of YouTube TV channel. And you know that you're going to be building onto that and you're going to be building into a series and you're going to be building into a whole bunch of different things. But you have 50 ideas, stick to two and then get the other 48 done. Was your grandmother like a teacher? Was somebody a teacher? My grandmother on my father's side was a librarian. Librarian. Yeah. Thank you. So it's like the very, very... And she took Not it very seriously. Being, yeah, like, Life was serious for yeah, her. And yeah. You had to read. You yeah. had to understand. So she's beside you just to give you that sense of you have all of those tools, but you refuse to use them. You just jump into the lion's pit and just hope that you don't get eaten. You're very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that what that is? It doesn't, doesn't, I don't know if it's, those things. No, no, no. I, I mean, I jumped into this in the last uh, seven years. And Every day is a new experience for me. Every day I see something new in someone. So I love what I do. And you guys love what you do because it's not the same thing day in, day out. And I'm not taking anything about anybody from the human population. You're not sitting behind a cubicle. You're not listening to 
Tom tell you what to do and Dick is going to get to you. And then the man isn't going to give you a raise because you didn't shave yesterday, which is what your grandmother wants you to do. She's tired of the beard. Me? me? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like she's really tired of it. So okay. she's just saying, come on, let's see the real face. Well, you have to tell her last time I shaved it, I had a turkey neck, so I grew it back. So <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're <laughs> well, he's right on about everything else. I got to say that uh, the tenseness. And, no, I and have the been. Jumping te- I'm, in. A, I'm actually. Our workload is more than we expected it to be, and I do feel like we. I feel like I led us into a mistake when we started out because when the show began, we were biweekly, and that was a doable workload for us, even as intense and research oriented as our show is, which it is very much so. So the production is complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But our audience was smaller. So when we started getting revenue, it wasn't quite enough because there were two of us and we had expenses and that sort of thing. And my brilliant idea was to add another show per month. So we went from 25 shows a year to like 36. And so now we're, you know, a little over five years old, which you said six is about when we conceived it. And um, okay. we're closing in on 180 episodes. And we have the upside is we I feel like we have an, a body of work that we can be very proud of. Every episode we try to make as good as we possibly can, but the downside is that the 36 shows a year is really, really difficult. And I have a 11-year-old who I love dearly and love to spend time with, and and my wife works a lot. She has a very intense job as well, so all that intensity is adding up, and the quarantine has made it a lot. I'm more tense now as a result of us all being at home and trying to be a good dad and trying to help make sure we're all getting meals when we're supposed to, and I'm the one going to the grocery store and all that kind of stuff on top of the show, which was already like a 60-hour-a-week job. So there's definitely, I have no disputes about my tension in me, for sure. So what I'm being told by your wife's grandmother is that you helped settle your wife down and be more in tune to herself because you gave her permission to be herself. Not very many people in her life has been able to do that for her. So that's kudos for you. Number two, it's a daughter, or is it a son? Because I'm picking up a lot of female. My child is a, is a boy, yes. Is a boy. Yeah. So he's very empathetic then. Yes. He has a lot of empathic personality. He can cry at a commercial. He just tries to hide it. But he believes in the truth, the justice, the right thing. Uh, because wholeheartedly, he's going to go into some form of law or education, because that's where he's going to go. Okay. Because he wants that. And he wants to make sure that you're proud of him every day. So he'll always come out and say something. And those hugs that he gives you, and not as often as you like, is justified because he knows that you you deserve it. <laughs> Sorry, it's his readings no. that I'm picking up from yeah. him. Yeah, okay. And he doesn't like the shoes that he's got or the running shoes. He doesn't like those at all. <laughs> oh, okay. That's good to know. <laughs> Fix those, would you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Just wow. ask him. I think it's something to do with the color. Okay. Oh, well, that's good to know. Well, I mean, you know, you told me a lot of the similar stuff you told Forrest. So uh, we are working on a YouTube presence and that sort of stuff. Did you tell me that, Forrest? I said we were going to expand and you kind of guessed. You said it was going to be, uh, I think, somewhat like a visual component. You said it was going to be a show. And I said, well, is this uh, something like Amazon Prime and streaming? And you said uh, probably a YouTube. Uh, show and that's oh, okay. that is, sorry okay yes but you 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 got that right i it's not something i i told you about but uh okay i was YouTube just trying to remember area. yeah okay because i don't like doing i always want to try and see again my perfectionism my ocd i always want to be making sure that 
somebody hasn't said something to me that I'm already like trying to fit in because that's not who I am. I don't want someone to come in and just say, well, I told you that last month. And I'm going, well, I saw 800 people. I don't really remember sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't imagine keeping track of everything. Um, Boy, so. Here we are. Here we are. I'm surrounded by ladies. And you are. I need to relax. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Yeah, the relaxing part is very important. And as soon as you get this done, you need to see a masseuse so that you can release the traps in your and get that done as soon as possible because that's affecting your thinking. You're not thinking full because you are so like this, you're allowing that compression mm -hmm. not to allow that freedom. When I see the purple around you, that means that purple aura, that means that you both have colors of intuitiveness, but both of you have this color orange. Like my wife is an entertainer. So entertainer, that sounds really bad, doesn't it? My <laughs> wife is a stand-up comedian. <laughs> Okay. And in the entertainment world now, I don't know how that works. She is full of orange from head to toe because she's a creative. There's, she's a writer. She does this, that, a whole bunch of things. And if you think about it, both of you have a calling that you never approached. Even through college, you guys were thrown into the working world that you didn't really want to do in the first place. But you did it because you had to pay bills. You had to do this. You had to do that. Then all of a sudden, you find yourself in a place of, F this, I'm going to be an independent now. I'm going to try and learn this. And then you find that a lot of it starts to become true. You validate yourself. So that's what you need. I'm not insulting you, Scott. But if you understand, you do not give yourself permission to know everything that you do know. You still think that you need to prove to everybody and you don't have to prove to anyone anymore. Mm -hmm. Every single one of your guides are telling me that. Now, the, the women guides, those are family people that have just moved over. But you have an angelic around you, which is what I rarely see in many people. And that's a very strong form of protection. So if you fall down, they're going to help you get back up again and do it. And they're a higher end spirit because your soul level is probably very close to where I am. There's 10 soul levels for me. And I find like you're a seven, eight, because you create that doubt and you have to remove some of that. I think Forrest is the same way. You guys just have to ignore what we all feel and think and just continue progressing going forward. I don't have um, hate mail per se, but I'll have people to say, that'll just say, I'm sorry, I just don't believe you. And I'm okay with that because that's their opinion. But I actually never asked them for their opinion. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm yeah. saying to you guys is, unless you pay me for your opinion, which is what a life coach and a psychic medium does, I'm giving you an opinion that I see spiritually. But other than that, I don't have an opinion on anything else that you do because it's not my, it's not my place. So that's all I'm trying to get at. You, you both are going to be flying high you, in the sense of doing the things that you want to do. And doing these shows, are, are, you're going to be blowing people's minds away because it's what people want to hear. This COVID thing has helped you, not hindered you. Oh, really? And it's going to be a big deal. And it's helped me immensely. It's helped me. It's allowed me to calm down a little bit and reflect back on what I've done over the last seven years and then to reassess what I'm going to be doing next on my new show. And that's so important to do. Sure. And you guys are doing the same thing. But I really think that you need a chalkboard full of paint, Scott, and you need to paint that chalkboard so that you can write your ideas down instead of holding them in your head so you can go sleep for a while. Right. Right. Because <laughs> you don't sleep, dude. <laughs> and there are too many ideas, yes, floating yeah. around that uh because we have this 
you know, the main show going. And that's, we've always said between ourselves, like, this is the main thing that has to keep going, but we would like to expand and try other things. And it's really getting control of this thing. So it, it moves more effortlessly and doesn't, uh, you know, take up so much of our personal lives because that that's where Scott's at is that it's, he's feeling the struggle of having to juggle all this stuff. But one question I had before, as far as the mechanics go, when you said, cause you told me before, it's like you, you see some guides around me, yeah. but you also saw orbs. You, you told me that well, I see about seven orbs around you. And this is when I was at my place. Yes. Are those two different things? It's orbs to me don't manifest, or I don't have permission to see their full potential or they are not in your full potential for them to give me information because probably you're stepping into a different soul level or moving into something different. But to have seven, they're all trying to move you forward. It's just a matter of what's happening, like the move, what you're trying to sort out financially, all of these little things, they're all there in place. So once you start doing it, once you get over the anxiety of getting some of this done, those orbs will manifest into something that I can really actually talk to. Interesting. And for Scott, there is a blockage that you've put up since you were a teenager. I don't know why. And I'm really trying to understand that because you're not giving yourself permission to be good or to be good at what you do. You say it, but you don't believe it sometimes. And that really pisses me off because I'm the same way. Mm -hmm. You're the same way. I'm not just singling you out, Scott, but for us, it's the same thing. It's where we take our full living conscience and understand that we are better than what we give ourselves credit for. And then if you would just look at yourself and give yourself an inventory and everything that you've done, there's going to be no stopping the two of you. It's going to be fun to hear as I move into my career and maybe get you on my show as well and scare the shit out of you just to have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will enjoy. Well, I've certainly <laughs> been scared pretty good a few times on our show. So that moves me to my next thing is that I think a lot of Scott's, uh, I'm not sure if, he, if uh, Jim, you and I discussed this, but Scott had a very transformative experience uh, a couple of years at the Sally House. And you know, I can say safely, it turned his world upside down as far as philosophically about thinking about these kinds of things and thinking about the spirit world. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're still skeptical when we need to be or very uh, analytical, but also more accepting. And as the show has gone on, but was there any kind of negative influence that happened from that Sally House experience for either of us? Because you told me that there was something around me that that uh, was unpleasant mm -hmm. and, and still around. And it's still around. And I don't know why it's still there. And that has to be smudged and that has to be removed from you. And that's when I need you to go and speak to a shaman or a shaman, however people want to pronounce it. Canadians and Americans, we say it different ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I really wish that you would be actually do a smudge and clear that energy from you, which you saw me do, I think, on mm -hmm. Friday's show. Right. Jim has an Instagram. Uh, uh, I think you do it every Friday. or about, I try and do it every Friday. Yeah. I had over 200 emails. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. bet. Yeah. I did take that on. <laughs> With Scott, what is the result, I guess, or what is there anything residual from that experience that was so transformative for him? Something in his throat chakra that doesn't allow you to completely say what you feel. It's holding you back from success. And whatever you touch there, it's there because you have a dark little bit of entity there. We can remove it remotely. I can even ask um, my close friend, Michelle, to help. She's a demonologist and she's been on one of my shows. And she's amazing at remotely removing from people. 
And it's awesome because she removes stuff from my wife who had not had a job for 18 months and couldn't get a job anywhere. She said, let me take a look at her. She looked at her 30 seconds later. She was, it, it was gone. She removed it. And uh, she got a job the next freaking day. <laughs> that wouldn't be uh, Michelle Belanger, would it? Um, no, Michelle de Rochier. She's amazing. I'll send you all her info and maybe she, you just let her know you know me. Okay. And I'm sure she'll do an interview. She's done quite a few. Right. And you were talking about Scott. <laughs> yes. You were talking about Scott as something in the throat chakra. In the throat chakra. Yeah. So that's not allowing you to fully communicate the way that you want to. I do know for a fact that you guys will have someone that will work for you towards October, but not okay. before. And that's going to alleviate 40 hours of your work week. Okay. It's going to work, guys. I, I just see it. I don't know why. Here's the psychic side of me, which I don't know how it always works because I'm getting the information with no visual of anyone, but I'm getting it from the spirit energy that's around your heart chakra who's protecting you. And they're both telling me that both you and he calls you from Scott. Scott's guide is telling Forrest, like you are brothers, that this will work for the both of you. This is going to happen. So believe manifest it and it's going to happen before your thanksgiving so be prepared for that okay it's coming out of nowhere and the Can person you... will want to do it voluntarily first and then you're going to pay them because they're doing such a good job and you should get a female because you guys can't do squat <laughs> <laughs> well that's a, uh, an interesting side question uh, could you explain for the audience what the difference is between a psychic and a medium well the psychic is um they do get a voice or they get a feeling and intuition and they're very strongly based emotionally onto them. It's exhausting, I think, for psychics because they get a lot of different energies from a whole crap load of different entities and they're getting mismatched information or good information. I'm seeing my information. I know when there's a demonic there. I know when it's a mischievous one there. I know when there's a saint. I know when there's just a regular Joe. Psychics, they're just going by what they're hearing and what they're feeling, and they always don't get the right answer. So I think that they're playing Russian roulette sometimes with some of the stuff. But a lot of good psychics out there are so right on. It's unbelievable. But we have so many snake charmers. It's horrible to be out there because it's a reflection of what I do and what psychics do as a profession. Because we're looked as like we're opportunists and take advantage of people's emotions. I don't have time for that. I'm just being told what to tell you guys and off we go. In what you do, you're more of a conduit, would you say? Very much so. I would say the only way that a spirit is going to relate to me with a message is that they show themselves. And every spirit, every ghost, all of those types of entities, shapeshifters, if we're going into those too, ETs, um, elementals, all of these will show themselves to give me an answer or to talk to me or want something from me. On the psychics world, you're just going on the interpretation of what you're hearing and the full energy, my opinion, because I've watched psychics at work and they're, they're amazing, but they're, they're exhausted more than I am at the end of the day because I don't have to work as hard. And who wants to work hard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in seeing all those different things, you think they're all living in, on the same plane or are you seeing into different planes of multiple planes yeah. i'm i have multiple planes so they don't necessarily see each other oh gosh they all cross each other in paths and they'll go right through each other and they don't even know that one exists just uh -huh. like we're doing here on earth when we ignore each other in the big city uh -huh. you're nothing it's just like i don't see you i don't hear you 
they don't do anything. But when you have a transformation of one plane here and another plane here, and they're meeting, it's like a magnet. They want to get there, but they're being pulled apart. So they're not meeting. So they have to grow or they have to come back and do this all over again and reestablish why they screwed up in the first place. And then they have to redo that life over again to move to the next plane. Have you seen Defending Your Life, Albert Brooks movie? No. Okay. All right. I, we're, there's no question we're going to interview in the future again at some point, but I want you to watch Defending Your Life, and we're going to have a philosophical okay. discussion about it. Look for it. You can okay. get it's on Netflix. Sounds it's like an older plan. movie. It's pretty easy to find. Defending Your Life. Okay, yeah. I'm going to take a look. Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. It has to do with past lives and how, sort of in the vein of what you're saying, is that we're, we're going... This word force spoils the movie. Well, it's... He loves to tell... If you don't tell him tell, what's no, a, he, what he couldn't help it. He's immediately going to tell you the ending of the movie. Right now, it's coming in the next 30 well, seconds. Jim, Jim might already know <laughs> <laughs> with his abilities. Uh, but it has to do with uh, going through life again until you get it right. And what are the mechanics about that? And I think, Scott, you're bringing that up is because of the mechanics and how it works. Yeah. How does this all happen? It's like, uh, you know, one question I had in regards to that is... You go into a, a haunted place and, uh, you know, you'll see Jim on, on Knock Knock Ghost often say, well, this person doesn't know that they are dead per se. If they had a, a quick or tragic death, uh, it was unexpected. And this is what I found really interesting. I, and I can't remember what uh, location you were. It was a, uh, it's now a bed and breakfast and that the people are repeating the same action over again. And it was a, it was a gentleman who was having a heart attack. And his wife was trying to get help, and he was just having that heart attack over and over and over again. And it, it was something about uh, Brandon Masulo uh, that we talked about uh, as a, a crisis apparition, right. where this this crisis is happening over again. Yeah, what and it was the same there? thing. Sorry, at um, yeah, what was the uh, not the fort, the theater? You saw this woman; she was running the up London the steps theater. over and over. Yes, yeah. at the London Theater, coming back through this door and running up the stairs over and over. It was the abuse that she went through. Right. At the hands of uh, Ambrose, the guy who ran the theater. Ambrose, yeah. yeah. Ambrose. And, yeah. That, and he ran away. He wasn't dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He ran away because yeah. he knew that he was going to be jailed or his hands were going to be cut off by somebody in prison. So he ran away. Hi, I'm Rod from Orange County, California. And when I'm not listening to new episodes of Astonishing Legends, I'm just listening to old episodes of Astonishing Legends. Let's get back to the show. What is trapping these spirits? How, why are they reliving the same thing over again? And how, how can they not know or how can they not uh, pass on from that? Have you, both of you, have you ever felt panic? Uh, yeah. Okay, me too. And in panic, you're just doing this, right? You're, you're trying to figure out, what am, what, am I going to get hurt? What's going to happen? I don't know what to do. I cannot escape. I cannot get out of the situation that I'm at until somebody pulls you out of it. Yeah. That's what I do. I pull them out of that panic. I slow them down. I make sure they hear my voice. I enlighten myself with a, a, a light. I emulate myself. I try and be that candle, I guess. And then they see that over and over again, because I, I would have them doing that. They're constantly doing it. And it's just not one hour. It's over and over and over. And then as soon as you can get their attention, they're looking and you get their attention the second time and the third time, then all of a sudden they slow it down. And you just say, take a look at that light over there. Get to that light and boom, they're gone. Because that theater has been quiet ever since I've been in there. They thanked me for it, actually, so it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's like freeing an animal from a trap that it's in, right? That's just 
and letting it escape. Doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I do. I think that we're based on that conduit. I don't think that one medium or one psychic or psychic medium or clairvoyant or any of us are all the same. It's impossible. We all have special tools. Some are better than me, much better than me. And I've sat there and I've watched them and I'm blown away by so many different people. It's crazy, but I'm so impressed on what they do. But I don't want to sensationalize things. I want people to understand it in a very mild-mannered way so that you can ask me questions like this without, did you see the way that you freaked out when that happened? (laughs) Well, dude, I was being choked. Yeah, I do. But I still bring it as calm as possible because I'll leave the situation, go back in with more tools, psychic tools, and they won't be able to do it to me again. I hate that. I'm not sensationalizing. I, I, I try not to anyway. Right, right. I, I do get angry. I do get angry. When I got shivved there in that prison in Godrich, Ontario, that was bullshit, man. My daughter was just born. I'm going, what the hell are you doing to me? Like, I'm getting shivved from you because you don't like that I'm in your space? F you. I'm putting you where you belong. I was mad because I went yeah. right back afterwards on my own without the crew. They put the cameras up there and I got rid of that son of a bitch and it's never been back again. No one's ever been harmed or felt uneasy in that side of the prison. How are you able to do that spiritually when you project something or uh, is it a form of Reiki or you transferring energy over a distance? Uh, Do you know how those mechanics work? I think my energy becomes stronger and more spiritual that it overwhelms the evil and the overwhelming sensation of that spirituality, that humbling feeling that I'm getting, that I'm clearing you so that you're not going to hurt somebody else again. I'm being given all of this energy from other spirits that make me into this superhero for them to get rid of that kind of stuff. Because once I've, I've done that, I'm exhausted. At that point, I am exhausted. I need 10 minutes to cool myself down because I'm feeling the spirit's anger that had attacked me. So I'm feeling all their residual until I clean myself off. I do Reiki on myself. I wear my little bracelets that are so important to me. I carry extra ones because they break them when I go into places. They pull at them. Wow. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Forrest, first you first. What got you to be so fearful around your 20s? What made you so afraid? your grandfather says there was a lot of fear there and it was Hmm. you were a tough cookie in the sense of doing a lot of different things but there was a lot of at the end of the day when you put your pillow down you were like he's telling me that there was a fear sitting there that's a good question i don't uh the only thing that i could think of in regards to i guess if we would be in my 20s it would be right after i graduated film school and you know i mean that's one of those types of disciplines where you get out. It's not like an MBA where you just now, you know, you just go get a job at a, at a business and you mm-hmm. start at a regular salary. It's, it is, well, I mean, as your wife will tell you, it's, it is whatever you make it. And it's a lot of opportunity and luck and, and talent, and it all has to blend together. And so I guess to, to answer that question, the only thing that I can think of was uh, maybe not striking out in that kind of realm of uh, like trying to direct a an independent film or trying okay. to uh, you follow the path that most folks do, you know, where you get out like like you said earlier, you go out and you get a job because you you need to start paying the bills in an apartment. So right away, I, I Scott and I followed a similar path where I probably within a couple of years I was working at a place that edited 
trailers, coming attractions for movies. So you're kind of in the business, but never had enough ambition or, or wanting to to strike out where you have to do that extra, where you you go out and then you you, you try and gather up money and 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 proceeds and get a crew together and do all that stuff. So it never really struck me. So I uh, as a real desire to do that. So you just end up you know working regular jobs in the field. So you're bringing that out. You're talking about the honest to God's truth. And then your grandfather, who's on the left of you, gives you a bear hug and just says, wow, glad you said that. <laughs> well, it's, it's important yeah. to them because they never were able to say what you're saying. Right. They had to be mum over right. everything. They yeah. had to hide their feelings. You don't get to do that now. Yeah. Right. Because of the industry yeah. we're in. So. You know, his experience was different. I, uh, if it if it is my grandfather was somebody, you know, I was very close with growing up and spent summers with. He taught me quite a bit, but in a lot of other different realms, not so much. He had not much experience in the field that I am now. My dad did. Other life skills. Yeah, and that's really rounded out all my other, uh, uh, how to fix things and cars and, and uh uh, he's taught me so much about um, all those other things. But as far as career, my dad was more close to that in, in that kind of realm, but also different. He was in advertising. So it is one of those fields there. Yeah, if you, you know, you want to be successful, you got to really have passion and drive and to get something done and a lot of luck. You know, it seemed like a, um, too far for me to go for something that I ultimately probably didn't want. Okay. But it's funny that you asked that question because uh, I had had a session with a, uh, I would say, much more of a regular psychic, and this is maybe 15 years ago. And out of the blue, they said, like, well, you you probably would have been a good director. You had a lot of skill, but you you never pursued it. You didn't really care for it. And I thought, like, yeah, I guess I didn't. And, and that was totally unprompted, and that was strange that they brought that up. It's like, yeah, I guess I didn't. I like aspects about it, but I ended up studying film history and criticism actually more in school than, than the making of. And after you get out, like that's, yeah, you just kind of lose interest in it. But like with my grandparents or uh, the spirit guides, yep. what is their sense of time? It's like when you say, you know, when I was growing up, obviously they could see me growing up or they see yeah. things advancing, but how do they sense time? It's not because I've heard this or, or other psychics talk, other mediums talk. They go to their favorite time, their favorite age, and they stay there. They want to be that 25-year-old or they want to be that 35-year-old. And they go to that. So they present themselves that way. People who are lost, like the person that was dying of a heart attack that was in that tub for me, and they were still 58 years old. They were still struggling. They were still doing that. Their age never changed. And it was <clears throat> not a balance. Sorry. The other thing for Scott is I know that you were an engineer, rail engineer, steam. So mm. you came back quite quickly. Okay. But you died you died in a car accident from a streetcar. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was your last life. So I was a steam engineer. Cars, steam engineer leaving work. Yeah. Got on a streetcar. Streetcar didn't see you. And then it then it just moved. The streetcar person didn't see you and you were it was turning a corner and you were drawn in under it. Wow. For some strange reason. And you passed away that way. If you went into New York and if you went around Broadway, you would know, you would have a feeling that you've lived there your whole life. Okay. And you were a stock engineer. So you, you shunted trains back and forth to different yards. You really didn't do the long haul stuff. You just did the short end stuff. Okay. And you wanted to be a long haul rider. <laughs> Scott, did you have relatives that were uh, in the railroad industry? 
Not that I know. I mean, I'm sure that I had some, not that I know of. My yeah. wife did. My father is absolutely obsessed with steam engines, all things train, actually. Like he drove a diesel locomotive like three years ago <laughs> somewhere in Nebraska or somewhere. I can't remember where you can go and actually drive it. And I think he might have actually driven a steam locomotive as well. But I'm not picking up his energy. I'm picking up your No, no, no. I, I, I wasn't. I'm not. Yeah. I was saying that you no, were. No, 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 no. I yeah. know that. I understand yeah. that. But I want the public to know that. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. But I, you know, I did live in New York for uh, nine years uh, with my wife. And uh, we moved there five days after 9-11 and lived there for nine years. And I absolutely loved it. Loved it. Still love that city. I couldn't live there anymore. It's a hard place to grow old in. But, um, mm-hmm. and I worked on and around Broadway the entire time. The companies I worked for were all off of different parts of Broadway, actually. <laughs> that, I think about it. Broadway and Spring. For me, yeah. But thank you. The first company I worked at was Broadway near the Flatiron. And the second one was in Soho on at Broadway and Spring. So, but that was your last life. That's the one that I know about. That's the one that your guides are giving me permission to know about. Okay. And you were very meticulous, like you are today, in trying to make everything <laughs> so rigid, so OCD. So, yeah. if it's not done, I'm not going to do it. And uh, you can f yourself if that's not going to happen. You're going to wait for me. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all tire of you and then we make fun of you and then you just go i really don't like him today yeah right right okay <laughs> i that, do that all the time that all sounds familiar yeah, every every session <laughs> yeah he just doesn't know it uh speaking of like past lives and 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 relatives what relationships do we have in our past lives with the same friends and relatives how does how do you think that works scott was explaining about his dad's love for the locomotive, the engineering, that, that type of thing. So you might have in turn known your father in that lifetime. You might have known him or you might have known of him and you guys both decided because you chose your parents to come down here. So you chose him because of something that was like-minded and was there. You have no interest in it today. Like it doesn't like, what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You don't want to have anything to do with it, but it's nice to hear. and. So you've learned something from that. I think you were a sailor too, weren't you, Forrest? Scott is a. Uh, oh, Scott uh, is, is a has an interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's that's. See, that's strange. the energy that I'm now. Now I'm getting the figure eight, so I'm just getting cross energy here. Now. Yeah, it's, it's strange you picked that up. You know, we've mentioned on the show like years, a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah, Scott's, uh, love of that. I, I I enjoy it, but I haven't picked it up as a hobby like he did. Do you see anything about my most recent past life? You were working as someone who was building like log cabins, like very strong carpentry, but they were like French provincial, like you really, not the pioneer side. I'm looking at turn of the century, the Frontenac type homes. So you were building those, but you were building them inside a state or I'm feeling a state that uh, never had homes like this before. So you were building them like cookie cutter homes in all different boroughs everywhere. So you were a multifaceted, you were very rich and you probably still have family that are building those homes or you'll have relatives towards that. But you built those homes without plans. You said they wanted a bathroom, they wanted a bedroom, a fireplace in there and you would do that for them. All one floor, never two floors. Uh, You didn't like two floors. (laughs) So can I bring something up for us? Go ahead, uh, go ahead. I know that, it sounded to me like, Jim, like you guys talked about the fact that he's looking to move out of Los Angeles Yes. in his session. Did you talk any further about that? Any further detail about it? 
Uh, no, forest, I, he, he gave me a, a gray house. Yeah, it was a gray house. So this is what I'm wondering if it came up in your session, which I wasn't privy to, because what mm-hmm. you just said was really interesting about a past life for him is that he and I have been discussing at his behest in moving. He's looking at a couple of options. One was, as you mentioned, was uh, buying some property uh, and with a house on it. But he had also been thinking about building something. And the very first thing he showed me when he went to think of doing that, and this was, we've been having this discussion about 12 or 14 months now, you know, planning everything out because everything takes forever. Yep. The very first thing he showed me was modular homes. And he's sending me to all these websites and looking at floor <laughs> plans that he picked out. It was out. a cedar, yeah, the cedar homes. It's uh, <laughs> the uh, first thing he went to. Yeah. The first thing yeah. he went to. And so well, I don't know if you guys talked about that in your session with him. Okay. No. So that's interesting to me. Okay. A couple of things about that. And then I'm going to ask Jim uh, uh, kind of a drill down question back to that. I like uh, carpentry. I like building things with my hands. I've never really had much uh, experience uh, building homes in this life, but I do like, you know, fixer up stuff and doing construction and all that. I could totally get that. But there's something as, as far as like a past experience, and this was something when I think it's probably the first thing that Jim saw about me when we had my session was that he saw multiple military men, guys in the army in their youth or whatever, like you said, when they go to pick the, uh, the time of their life that they like, uh, all dressed in uniform that were around me. I've always thought I had a very strong connection with World War II and maybe a connection that way with my grandfather. I'm not sure how, but World War II, that era, the mid-40s, yeah, some kind of connection with me. I don't know if it's the military guys that you saw. It can be. there. I don't have them all in front of me again. Like Things change we, because there's so much energy that's going around the two of us. It's very hard to yeah. figure that one out. There's one question I want to ask. Just for us personally, yeah. I just was going to ask Jim about our future plans. Uh, this year's going to be very busy. I, again, as I told Jim, we were going to, uh, I was going to try and look for a place, get moved by, uh, Jim gave me a timetable. That's what he, uh, what he said, by, by spring it's going to happen, but it's going to be a very busy transitional year for Scott and I. You know, him getting still settled at his place and me trying to find a place and moving and getting all that and my financial stuff together. Do you see anything for us or how it's going to go or anything that we should do or focus on? The two of you really need to impress upon one another. You two are stuck like glue, whether you guys like this or not, whether you disagree with each other or not. This is a friendship made in heaven, whether you like it or not. It'll always be there, but you'll always protect one another to the umpteenth degree, no matter how I look at it. So I really enjoy this company that I'm seeing. I really think that you have to look at, I don't know why I keep on saying this, but my Thanksgiving is uh, the first week of October. Yours is at the end, right? November. Of, uh, fourth week of November. Yeah. Fourth week of November. I'm wholeheartedly feeling like there's major positive change for both of you at that point, where the two of you are going to have to live together for a little bit. <laughs> it's going to have to happen because of the way that everything is going to be routed. You both will not be able to not be in the same room discussing things with like a YouTube channel or with another network of some sort. You guys don't have much choice. <laughs> so that's going to have to happen. And your yeah. wife is going to have to get over it, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an excellent house guest. So, but I, we, but that's interesting you say that. I mean, we've been planning, uh, I was planning to come out to visit Scott last month. And of course, with all this happening, mm-hmm. uh, those plans got kiboshed. So we've been planning a meetup. We just weren't sure when that was likely to happen again. It, it was going to be a time when, I might spend three or four weeks there uh, or more just uh, and, and just us having fun and recording and hashing out plans. 
it's funny because they give me a visual of snakes and ladders with the two of you for years. Okay. And that is you guys are making it to the top, but one of you are slipping down the ladder for whatever reason it is. And that's ending now. And what's happening is there's a new entitlement to who you are. If you guys can send me the day that you started your first broadcast, and if you have the time, the date, and all of that, let me do something for you guys astrologically. And I'll just see where it's taking you. Let's look at it as a birth of a business. It's a birth of your child. Let's see where that's going to take you and connect you. And I'll get some help from a Vedic astrologer. Would that be when we recorded first or released our first episode or when we first started talking the concept? I don't want the concept. I want the birth of this. I want the day that you started, the, your very first podcast. So the, probably the day we put it out there on the internet, the first one. Yes, please. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's it easy. Be it's not October. about how many people yeah. were listening. It's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not the point. I just need to see where everything aligns. Yeah. Because listen, I think you both are great, but you guys can sabotage yourselves. So unbelievable. I don't get it. Yeah. I, I really don't get it. If you didn't have your wife, Scott, she'd be kicking you. I don't know what you'd be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I mean that with love. I'm saying she's helped align you. Yeah. And that's a good thing. And Forrest is looking for the same thing in alignment. And that's going to happen too. But it's just a matter of finding out what you need next. You guys have to come together this time. And really be serious about what you're focusing in on, especially around the month of November. It's so, October to November is such a structured month for both of you guys. You really, really need to get your together. Yeah. Like you need to have something stand out in one of your podcasts. You need something to be, that something is controversial, but yet skeptical, but yet I want to believe them. Mm -hmm. Because the two of you can talk and rant and it's amazing to listen to. Because just today... I've not listened to one of your podcasts. I've not listened to anything because I wanted to do this raw, which is just like I go into my uh, into any place that they send me on TV. I don't need to know anything. I want to learn in front of me. I want to be able to see what I'm seeing for the first time like I you would see it. That way it gives me a more honest opinion of who you guys are. You guys were together in a past life. How it works, I do not know yet, but I'll figure that freaking out pretty soon. You guys were destined to do something that was really, really important for the universe, not just for your listenership, but you're supposed to be giving us something to think about, something to work towards, something to make us feel like we are human, we are this, and we are interested in things that we don't know. And you're sharing your information with jest, but with compassion, with love. So all of those things need to come together and gel that we see that every time. Because that's the first thing I noticed about the two of you working with the both of you. You're both concerned. You're both energetic. You're both empathic. You both love life. So something's got to give here to give you guys what you're looking for. I just wanted to finish that off for you guys. I needed you to know, both of you to know that so that you're both on the same page. So kick each other's <laughs> when you need to. Yeah, we try to. I, well, you know, October, the show started in October. It was October 14th? of 2014. Uh, and well, then... Cool. We always, it's our biggest month because our listeners expect us, we go out of our way to make the show extra spooky that time of year. We yeah. run kind of the, the darker, or the crazier, spookier, scarier stuff for mm -hmm. fun, for entertainment's sake. But it still gets the same treatment we give everything. It might be a little more in-depth or a little more of an intense story. So it's always, October's always the big 
push for what are we going to do this October? How, what are we going to bring for the audience and, and that kind of thing? So there's always that. And then November is always kind of a relief point because we're like, okay, we got through our toughest month of the year. And a lot of times that planning about what's happening the next year starts in November. And so cool. it's interesting okay. that you would say that because our whole year is centered around October, frankly, and has been since, I mean, I wouldn't say it the first year. It was only like the second year of the show. We were like, oh yeah, we should do a neat thing every October, you know? <laughs> and then that, of course, became a, you know, a gift and a burden. You know, we're already, of course, already thinking about it for this yeah. year, what we're going to do for Halloween. Our first show went up on the internet on October 2nd, 2014. Um, okay. I'm just making my notes yeah. too. Scott, I don't know if that's uh, accurate transferring. From, I need website. to double check it yeah. because, you know, we left, you know, originally we were with Libsyn right. before we went to Audioboom. Right. And some of those shows that we did before we went to our second host, I think we were guessing about when they went up. I got But it's you. probably accurate. I got you. So, but I need to double check when that first one posted, which I can find. Okay. Uh, but that's probably about right. No it's matter around what. around there. Yeah. So it's the Libra scale, which is good. So you guys are looking for justice at all times. So you picked it at the right time. That much I do know about the two of you. And um, it's like, it's the Q&A that you guys will have in the oncoming shows about being more risky in some of the things that you're going to be doing. And I think that that's going to be the turnaround for you guys, where you're going to ask the questions that will make people like me sweat. You don't have to be always personable. Right. You'll right. want psychics to come on. And you, it's not that you want to debunk us. You're just going to say, how do you know this? Why do you know this? I think you've been doing it, but with more of a thor an authoritarian point of view, okay. because you want to give your audience the truth more than anything else as best as you can, because you can't touch and feel what we do. Right. Well, it's, it's very similar. It's like we had talked a little bit, uh, or at least Scott did on uh, social media about a course that we took, a, kind of a, a free introductory course on remote viewing. And people generally were receptive to us talking about it, but a couple of people who were longtime listeners who were a little more uh, skeptical, I, I saw in our, like, our Facebook group, were, were just saying, like, I don't believe that because I can't understand how any of that could work. It just doesn't make sense to me. And, and we're fine with that approach. It's like with remote viewing, there are mechanical processes that you go through, and that's why you have a structure like that. But at the end of it, they can't tell you where the information comes the from. Remote that's viewers don't know how it works know. either. <laughs> they don't know. Yeah, Even the best it, ones in the have, world, they can do it, they but don't they don't know, know how it works. Yeah. Yeah. But they get such an overwhelming feeling of like, whoa. Yeah. What is this? It's freaky. Well, that's what Scott got. That yeah, happened to me. <laughs> that happened to me about three weeks ago. So come on. <laughs> it's crazy because I, you know, here, I'll show you what happened. <laughs> I love watching him think because his colors are just like. <laughs> well, yeah, he's doing it all the time, and and uh, in the evening after we'll uh, we'll finish a show and have a cocktail and and text back and forth, and he's bursting with ideas. You know, he's he's got uh, new creative things that he's thinking about, and and I do too. He just he's but he's very uh, energetic and exuberant yeah, about the, it. The the booze is not the best thing for that. <laughs> well, twelve year old scotch is amazing. Trust yeah. me, it worked really really well for me. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, so we, we had, um, let's see, do I have, I don't know if I have it right here. But I was, oh, you're looking at your sketches. Your, yeah, uh, I'm trying to find my picture thing. of my target. Oh, you know what? I think I filed it. But getting back to like what Jim said, I think that's, when we have guests on, we don't come at it as a debunker thing or, or you're wrong. I, and we have so many people that 
will question us. It's, it's like they said, I, I don't believe that because I can't imagine how it works. And if I can't, or mainstream science can't uh, imagine how that works, then it can't be true. And so it's nonsense. And, and so we we give people the respect to think that, but also to tell us what their skills are and, and endeavors, no matter how woo-woo it sounds. But I think what we would challenge is, how does it work? We want to know the mechanics. It's like me asking you, what do you see exactly? Because that's what fascinates me. How does this come to you? How do these things get processed by, by someone with your talents? People say, are you exhausted? How do you shut it off is the big question. There's no yeah. such thing as shutting this off. Yeah. And if there is a psychic medium out there that tells you that they can shut it off, I'm having a hard time with that. <laughs> yeah. You're born with this. You can't shut it off. We're all born with it. But I mean, we're holding on to it. So it really, that's the only thing that pisses me off about our industry is, oh, I can shut it off. I'm looking at them. Okay, that's good for you because I've got seven people in my room right now. What are you talking about? And I'm ignoring them. Because as soon as you make eye contact with someone from the dead, as soon as you make that eye contact, they are on you. They are from here to there. You can't even fathom. It's so crazy. Hmm. I rarely tell this story, rarely. But I had just turned 19 and my mother was dying of cancer. And I was sitting in her room. My father was off somewhere. My sisters were off somewhere. And if you understand when someone is passing away, they're trying to gather all the families to come to pay their respects, to say goodbye to our family members. Nobody was anywhere to be found. So I don't know if you've seen, if you've been in that situation. I'm not trying to be too graphic, but you know the heavy breathing that you're, they're going through their last few minutes. And it's just like, oh my God, it's agonizing. Like, please go to the light and what are you still doing here? My mother stopped the and looked at me, turned. She was in a coma. She had these Molotov cocktails. She had cancer that is now 99.9% .9 curable. She was breathing like that, emaciated like crazy, like my freaking cat. She turned around, looked at me, smiled. She held her hand out. I put my hand there and she passed. And it was the most heartfelt genuine thing I've ever done in my life. That was just like watching my daughter being born. It was just like, uh, she gave birth to me and I got to watch her. I helped her cross over. She did not come back for seven years. I begged for her to come back. She came back through a medium and she yelled and screamed at me for about 10 minutes. Because you kept what Wouldn't the hell are you calling me for? What are you doing here? Why did I, everything's okay? Leave me alone for five minutes. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> Sorry. I just wanted to say hi, you know? Yeah. So we get punished as well. And I never called on her for a very long time until I started becoming more professional with this. She said, maybe you shouldn't tell these people so much. They can't handle it. My mother in spirit is the one who's taught me all my spiritual morals of, of what to say and what not to say. So just to let you know. That's an amazing yeah. story. I'm Greg Lawson, the paranormal detective, and you're listening to Astonishing Legends. Well, I, I have a question is is because a lot of people will ask us and we don't have the proper answers, but what is the difference between 
a spirit that is not necessarily in pain, but at maybe at a haunted location. And they're just hanging out, doing their job. If they work there, they maybe don't know what happened to them, but they're just kind of milling around, enjoying themselves maybe, or seeing people come into the place and seeing uh, things change over the decades. And like a loved one who has passed into the light and can come back. What is the difference there? What is that mechanic like? These spirits are actually saying, I like where I am right now. I love my space. There's no time. I'm not in any pain. I feel good. I'm not like that earthly person that I was in that shell. So I think I'm just going to stick around and take a look at what's going on. And sometimes they get caught in a camera. Sometimes they, and, they're, and people, these are the people that piss me off. What are you doing in my house? Get out of my house. <laughs> they're just visiting. They, they were there long before you were. So you go away. Yeah, you know? yeah. They're not there to harm you. And that's how I've grown up. That's what I do. You have to see the London one, Scott. I did. I London, did. The, the theater? Yeah. The, no, the, oh. the, this was in London, Ontario, the asylum. Yeah. Oh, no, I haven't seen that one. Okay, I'll yeah. check it out today. I would really like you to watch that. Okay. And the reason why I'm saying is because they start off with screams and howls as I'm walking into the corridor. Okay. I had never heard anything like that in my life. And I'm going, how are all these souls afraid of this one ghost? There was only one poltergeist in there. Uh-huh. was controlling all of these spirits. And uh-huh. it was like, what was going on here was making me sick. And I'm just going, my mission secretly was to look for that poltergeist and you are leaving them alone. Right. There were more employees there than there were patients. They went back because that was their favorite place to be. They worked there for 40 years. So why would they want to leave? They're content in that space. Eventually, they're going to have no choice but be pulled into the light, I think. Yeah. Then they have to have a new purpose and whatever. But there's no time again. They're just like, I like this place. I've been there for 60 years. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to check that one out. I saw that one. That was uh, towards the end of the second season, I believe, uh, a later show. That's the one that we were nominated for a Canadian Screen Award, which is like your... Emmy? Yeah. I've got two of those. Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome for a reality show. That's kind of cool. That's great. The Amazing Race one. (laughs) (laughs) Is it possible when people have passed on, loved ones, for them to return? Or is there some kind of rule up there preventing certain actions, let's say. I think it is, this is where you're learning to figure out what soul life you're going to do, or if they're just wandering in that light or in that area is because they know they have to come back and redo that life all over again as a different shell and a different body. And you have to learn from your mistakes of either being too jealous or being obsessive, being a murderer, being this, being that, whatever the case may be. They have to come back and do it all over again and say, I'm not going to murder this person. I am going to be faithful to this one. I'm going to do so that your soul life moves. You have to learn all of these things to have that angelic that Scott has around. This next question is about something you described that we've come across with our own episodes. One, uh, probably the first time where it was described to us by a psychic medium team that helped a friend of mine. And we call those the sludge entity episodes because that's what they saw. And it was some sort of uh, negative dark elemental that was basically sapping the energy and life out of uh, my friend's son. And as it was described, there were several things going on, which also made it confusing in that there seemed to be a Native American spirit that was trying to help these other trap spirits. And going back to something you said on the show, 
I found very fascinating is that usually there is one dominating, strong, forceful entity that is controlling or using the energy of many others at a location. And they're calling all the shots, and that's the entity that does not want you there getting rid of his his minions, his people that he has under control or whatever they might be. The second one experience that we we felt personally was at the Sally House, that there are many different types of spirits there, and maybe something that was, or several things that were darker, controlling them and controlling the scene, but it was also like a bus station, a portal where things were coming in and out. Yeah. Is that usually always the case where there is one in control at a location? There's, uh, to me, it's uh, of mice and men. It's uh, it's <laughs> typical. Sorry, I have to use that phrase because that's yeah. what it is. And um, it's not until a spirit actually feels brave enough to stand up to that poltergeist that they can win over them. All they know is their human side of their spirituality that uh, oh, they're controlling me, then I'm going to be controlled. You're owned by a boss, so you're going to be ruled by that boss. It's not until their soul grows or you, me, who is fighting on their behalf saying, look at that guy. He's alive and he sees that poltergeist and he's getting rid of that poltergeist. I'm joining in. Then all of a sudden you have the masses coming and just, I'm going to fight with him. You're no longer taking control of me. And it's fun to hear. But what happens to me is you hear chanting. I always hear a chant and I don't know why. And it's been like that forever. And you hear the chanting and it's like, you know how the Australians do their, their that, that dance of, sorry for anybody in Australia, mm -hmm. I just don't know what that is. But that's what they start to do. They congregate together and they remove that force. And they're very good at it because it's just not me that gets rid of that poltergeist. Mm -hmm. It's all of us that get rid of that poltergeist. That's why I never take advantage of that. I always try and let it be that I'm going to get the help of all the spirits that are there weak, indifferent, or powerful. But I always know a dark energy when it's in there because they say they, they give you a slight scent of sulfur and all these other things. I believe that some of them smell that, but it's not a smell, guys. It's a feeling. It yeah. is a feeling. And you can get a feeling mm -hmm. when someone's looking at you and there's no one there. That feeling I get is about probably five or 10 miles before I get to the next place. And I know that something's going on then you see the ravens flying around day and night. Ugh, I'm going, I'm getting into something I really don't know right. if I want to do it, right? But then it's important to do that. So I, I, I guess, I hope I'm answering your question. I, I wasn't sure, but it's... Yeah, basically that it, there seems to be a, as you said on the show, I believe, a, a hierarchy at these haunted locations and that something is in control and there's others. It's not all just a, or it could be a melee of... I'm breaking Different up types. the union is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they're done because do I don't you, waste yeah. time with them. I do not. It's not just, uh, as most people think, it's like uh, a spirit is a deceased person's spirit, if they believe in that. But there are levels of different types of entities and uh, lots of them. What's kind of cool is like um, for a medium, you're watching their whole you know what their energy is in seconds. You know if that one's going to be good, bad, or indifferent, or challenging. And you know it almost right away because you're watching their movie in front of you. And then their movie ends. So they're not going anywhere. So you, I have one up on them because they don't know how my movie's going to end because I'm not dead yet. So that's why we always have one up on the dead. Because they cannot figure us out. And especially when I show no fear. I have none. That's the only thing I'll tell everyone. Yeah. I don't care. 
a poltergeist comes after me, you know, if you kill me or if I'm hurt by you, I am going to be haunting you for the rest of your spiritual life. You'll never be happy. And they usually disperse. Oh, that's interesting. Because they're afraid. So you've never encountered <laughs> anything that's put you off the feed then? Too many of them have come around to try and you want to beat the guy with the fastest car, right? So yeah, I'm getting yeah. the same analogy where um, this is a bigger, badder spirit. So I'm going to beat him. And they don't because... I'm protected by the angelics or other things we've never discussed are watchmen that, that help me. My mother helps me. My father helps me. My grandfather, especially. He's like Thor. He's, he was, a, he was um, a mason. Whenever I see my grandfather, he's got that freaking hammer. Don't screw with that man with the hammer. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have these people that make me, these spirits that make me feel I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be trusted. I won't go in without my arsenal. I never do. Am I boring you guys yet? No. No, no just, not at all. <laughs> we just don't want to take all your time up. Okay. This is fun. This okay. has been the best podcast I've been on. Oh, thank you. Thank you very oh, much. No joke. And I've been like, I've done like six. I was going to ask you about more, a little more about remote, remote viewing because I'm still just mm -hmm. freaked out by it. We have a good friend who's a, an instructor in controlled remote viewing. There are lots of different kinds. I don't know how much you know about it, um, but... Not enough. Okay. It's fascinating. And her contention is that it's something that anyone can learn. This It's different from being psychic or being a medium, or it's, it's more of a, like a skill that you can develop. And she, her experience from it comes from the people who were involved with the U.S. military with it. She's directly related to them and friends with most of these guys that were the, the founders of it as a discipline in the United States. So we took mm -hmm. one of her like beginner classes Forrest had taken one a while back, then we both took one together just a few weeks ago. And the process is really fascinating, but it's the very first time I ever tried to do anything. And, you know, there's a target that you're supposed to identify. And there's things about that that can get confusing without getting into the complexity of how it all works. Uh, one mistake that can happen, and this may have happened with me, is that the target, you wind up focusing on the photo of the target as opposed to the target itself because those are mm -hmm. two different things. But in the notes that I took down from this class, I it was four days, it's a webinar, and at the end of it, I wrote down, you know, I did a little drawing, that they, and they call it an ideogram, where you just do a quick little sketch, like a scribble almost, and then you're supposed to feel that and see what you feel from it, not in a tactile okay. way, right? Then you write down these words, and there's a lot of discipline to what kind of words you use and all that kind of stuff. So I wound up writing down water and land and blue, wet, safe, comfortable, calm, deep, clean air. There's sketching becomes part of this, but in this class, she didn't get to the sketching part, but I did it anyway because I was interested in it. And I drew this sort of planet that was mostly water with little islands. Can you see okay. that? And, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wrote deep, devoid. Her name's Lori Williams, by the way. Her website is Intuitive Specialists. If you want to go check anything out, there's some free webinars okay. and stuff. Pretty involved program, very busy person, much like you yourself, I imagine, these days. And then this is the picture. That was the target. Oh, wow. So I got that it was an island. I got it was a lot of water. I got, you know, all these things. That, there were things that I got wrong, too. I got down. I wrote down. I had that it was in space. And have you ever seen the movie Interstellar? Interstellar. <laughs> Christopher Nolan? I've heard of it. And I think I've seen it. Yes, There's I have a, seen it. Yeah, because so. in that movie, I mean, so, you know, they go through the black hole and all this. And then one of the things is that planet that's the water planet that they land on. They have to get mm -hmm. out before the tsunami comes. Or I had that thing stuck in my mind. And sometimes the targets can be 
extraterrestrial. So it's my belief, based on what I learned from her class and how the system works, that that corrupted, it got in the way because it's the conscious mind tries to interfere with what you're subconsciously receiving. And so it filters it a little. So those mistakes are all kind of related to me being fixated on that part of that movie, which I've seen like five times. And I love to watch, even though it's really <laughs> depressing. So, <laughs> but, so I got a lot of things wrong, but like this is, but she says that this is, you know, this is kind of the Akashic record. They don't really know where it comes from, which is what we were saying earlier. And it's different from what you do and from what psychics do and how that works. And I, I wonder if you think, do you think there's any kind of overlap? Because I mean, I was blown away by this. I don't know where this came from. And for me, you seem to have a comfort with how what you're doing works. And when I finished this, it was like I had landed a 747 uh, in an emergency hmm. landing. And then I got out of the plane and everybody's like, well, I mean, nobody was like that but me. And then <laughs> and then they're like, how did you do it? And it's, the answer is, I have no idea. I have no idea how I put this plane on the runway. How, what, is, how, what is the difference between like that experience for me and what you experience? You know, obviously you've been doing it for decades, but. Again, it's a part of my, my life. I, I don't know anything different. Mm -hmm. So when I hear people trying to explain what they're feeling, I'm seeing it. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, now do that every day and go into it for the remote viewing that you're doing. Take that into your business. Take that into your mm -hmm. opportunities, right? Because it's like manifesting, except you're going into something that you see that will happen in the future. That looks like where you're going for the rest of your life, that island, that place. And when you're talking about space and you're thinking that it's wrong, that's a mountainous area. And if you're looking at the top of the mountain, you're in space. Mm -hmm. Am I making sense to you? Yeah, no, you are. And and that, yeah. Well, don't take that as a mistake because I don't see that, that as a mistake. Because if you walked to the top of that mountain, you'd be looking down at small islands right. situated around water. So don't punish yourself on that one. That was the other thing was my scribble, the scribble I did, which you just do quickly. Is that blown out or can you see it? No. See I that? can see it, yep. It looks like an island and water. It does. <laughs> I mean, and that's her just going, just grab the pen and just do something. Don't think about it. It's like, what is happening? I don't know what's happening. So when you, when you say, you, well, I'm about to study this the rest of my life, that's where I'm at with this thing. So Okay. You have to start learning how to chill, which again, yeah. if you don't go get a massage by the time COVID's over, you're just going to turn into Well, how can I get a massage while COVID's going on? I can't get near anybody. <laughs> Why the Dr. Ho thing, you know? Yeah, just like, nah, yeah. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Holy. You need, to, you need that fix, Scott. You do, because your health depends on it. Yeah. I did go, and I haven't talked about this on the air. I did tell Forrest about mm -hmm. this, but I went on vacation with my family almost exactly a year ago to Hawaii. And while I was there, I did like a really intense Reiki session and also with somebody who was an expert in five-element acupuncture. Oh, wow. I went through this process with her. And I explained the encounter that we had at the Sally house, which is the haunted house in Kansas and whole experience there. And she was said that she was glad I did because there was kind of a more advanced technique that she needed to practice and that she did. And she actually, when it got done, she had to go outside for a few minutes. She said that it was so intense and that, that something had come out of me that was hovering in the roof of the little room we were in. Her hut of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it took it a long time to get it to go away. And so she encouraged me to continue 
pursuing that. And I found somebody where I, I've moved since then, but I found somebody where near where I live that does that. But because of the quarantine, I haven't been able to make an appointment, but I did want to keep it. I wanted to let you know, I am pursuing that stuff, um, massage and acupuncture as well. well Scott, what we're going to do here is you're going to send me your address. If you don't mind, if you sure. trust me, yeah, send me your address. Absolutely. I need you to do a quick video of your home. Okay. And you can send that to me. Okay. And Michelle and I will do a remote removal of anything from you. That'd and be great. her success rate is 100%. Okay. That would be great. And it'll be done. I'll let you know the day that we're going to do it. And she's going to love it. So. Okay. Wonderful. I'm all for that. All right. Well, then, and so do you want the whole house? Do you want the garage, everything, or just like <laughs> just the rooms we live in? A picture of the house outside is great. Yeah. They usually hang in your energy. You're not okay. hanging in the garage all the time. So right. they're not hiding. They don't okay. hide. That's okay. the thing. They don't. They sit with you. They're right. on you. They're not on your possessions. Right. They're okay. on your energy. Okay. That's what all people right. have got to learn, too. Okay. And with the few remote viewing sessions that we've, it's a similar feeling. It's like, uh, it's like with Scott with that planet. It's yeah. just like, man, all those things fit, but I didn't say, or I, or I thought island or something. And, you know, usually what happens, like you'll get something wrong. Like I, I saw the, uh, what I thought was a planet, same kind of thing it was on Mars. Actually, it was the Egyptian desert and there was, uh, they were unearthing an obelisk, but I had my pictured you know in your mind that some kind of like mars terrain and um yeah we both you know, went so we it's both like you're went kicking, away from earth in our first tests. you do and then yeah. you <laughs> then you had a, a thought that comes in it's like dang i you know what i didn't say that like why didn't i you know yeah. so anyway here's something that i thought some of our listeners would be interested in because of the connections that we have seen develop since we started doing the show i think like a lot of people we you, know, you believe these paranormal events and phenomena are separate, that there isn't so much a connection if you believe in Bigfoot to UFOs and cryptids and all these other things that happen. I don't know if you believe in aliens, Jim, or extraterrestrial life, but do you think there's any connection between that phenomenon and supernatural phenomenon? I've only recently come out to tell people that I believe in extraterrestrial. You do see Mm -hmm. the dead extraterrestrials on our planet. Interesting. They do not go back home. This is their home. This is where they were brought. This is where they were brought to learn, to teach, and to bring information back to their race. When they die, they show themselves just like we do. I think it's a universal thing of their best-looking presentation. You, with what I saw behind you, is something that is out of this world that I wasn't used to. And I was taken back by it, you know, but I don't get excited about it or try and do anything else about it. I try and relate a dead human being spirit as much as I would do an extraterrestrial. I will not panic in any of those things, but I believe in all of those. Elementals are elementals. They don't die. There's no death to an elemental. I don't know why, but there isn't. Shifts, shapers, I've seen them in spirit and it's a multitude of different layers on them. They're very weird, but to see them in real life is even more scarier than it is to see them dead. I've only seen three in my lifetime and that's all I ever needed to see. And they don't like looking at me as much as I like looking at them when you notice them. It's, that's another part of me that I'm always very careful with. Would that be the like a Native American or Aboriginal Canadian First Nations person, something like a skinwalker? Yes. Very similar. And 
of my native heritage. I've got a quarter native in me. I'm still trying to figure out if it's Sioux or Métis. They don't know. We're still trying to figure it out. I see I'm protected by the native spirit first and foremost because of my grandmother and my mother, which is very awesome. And they watch out for me all the time. That's why I always hear the drumming or the humming or the chanting. It's very interesting. I love it, actually, because that's, that's the only time that I know that I'm going to sleep when I hear a little bit of chanting before I'm done for the day. Kind of a follow-up to Skinwalker-type entities, because now that's been in the news with the new show, and, and people are certainly in our audience that are fascinated with that subject. What about cryptids and strange creatures that seem to pop up in people's experiences and have encounters with? And I have friends that have seen such weird things. What's their story? Where do they come from? I wish I could answer you. I don't know. Okay. I don't know enough because I have avoided it for 60 years of my life. Yeah. Until this recent year, year and a half, because there have been more and more sightings uh, than ever before. I can't say that I have never seen one alive. I've always seen the presence of dead ones. Again, that's my job. And they're very, very elusive. I do know that. But you know that they're around because you can feel them around us. And that's the scary part out of all of that. They feel you, you feel them. They have a telemetry belt basically around our bodies. They know that we're sweating. They know that we're nervous. They know it's freaky. That much I do know that they know about us. Yeah. Have you had other types of, aside from spirit contact, other types of paranormal experiences yourself? With my father at the age of seven. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Um, my father was a hunter. Uh, he always wanted me to go hunting with him, but I didn't want to hurt an animal. <laughs> Look at me. Um, so he would come back and I said to my father that you have a guy that is dressed up just like you. And my father was looking at my mother and I had no privy knowledge to this, but this hunter had died of a heart attack that he went with on their hunting trip. And he was right beside my father with this dead moose. Oh, wow. And the poltergeist type personality that was around them was very angry at his dead friend and my father at the same time. And I do know that when the spirit saw me and saw my mother, it just bolted. We never saw it again. Oh. Um, I was you... seven. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> have you seen anything strange that wasn't spiritual? that wasn't a, a spirit connected or from that world or just, um, and it could be anything that's just out of the ordinary. And I guess the question connected to that, is there a connecting thread, a grand parallel to all paranormal experiences? All of us? Yeah. All of us. In the universe? Yeah. And just uh, the different phenomena that everyone seems to be experiencing, a small segment of the population. Because as I was asking about earlier, is that we used to think that it was separate. Now people are starting to think that there is a connection between all these paranormal type encounters. This is my, my mm -hmm. personal opinion. The portals have been waking up more and more and more in the forests of the world. So more of these dimensional figures are coming more often. I have never seen so many portals in my life open up. And when I walk with my daughter, when I'm out with my wife, uh, you can get a portal right in a subway in the middle of a subway station anywhere. It's mm -hmm. really crazy. So I think that these dimensional beings from other worlds have actually come through these portals because they flow through because that's an energy being. They're energy beings. They float, they move. 
faster than even the dead move, faster than the spirit moves. And the thing about this, again, you had asked me earlier in the show, do spirits cross paths and not know it? It's the same thing. The dead humans don't see the others, the ETs. They just don't. Hmm. But they use their portals or they're all using the same portals, depending. Hmm. There is some kind of connecting yet separate element to all of this, I believe. Yes. That's what you're saying. Here's something that we get asked occasionally, and and we try to turn them on to people who uh, deal with spirit remediation. But in general, what can people do to protect themselves if they think that they have some kind of attachment or they're getting spiritual harassment, something followed them home, or bad things are happening at their living space? Immediately, I go to Chasolite. It's the most important crystal that you can get for anyone. I've never had it. So mm-hmm. I have three pieces here. Mm-hmm. It's always protected me no matter what. And I didn't know much about it. And then once that was, I felt such a relief. You white light yourself, just like people see in the biblical times of white lighting the halo. You take that halo and you just put it around your body. If you're creating a protective white light, these spirits will know that you're being protected by something other than what they can see. Remember, not all poltergeists can see what's protecting you. That's what pisses them off. So... If that is, they'll leave you alone and they'll move on. Putting cedar in your home in different crevices of your home, go to your local Rona or your home hardware and grab a fistful of cedar, put it in your pocket, then put it in all different places in your home. Cedar gets rid of anything that's malicious of intent. It's not rocket science. It's just protection. It's native. A lot of it's native. Sweetgrass. Burn sweetgrass in your house with sage and it'll get rid of it. There's a lot of different things. Or you get local smudging people like me that walk into your home and we go through every crick and cranny that we can and just get rid of them. Uh, I'm just making a list of all the things I need to do when we hang up. (laughs) (laughs) There's a a few. I could fill you in. Jim has told me a few few things that uh, to try and practice. Uh, Basically, if getting a good vibe, flushing out the negative energy. Listen, for the two of you, and I don't do this very often, and Mm -hmm. I promise you I don't, but if there are situations that you guys are feeling troubled by, and uncomfortable with. If I have the answer, you've got my phone number, text me. If I can't answer you in a text because of what you guys are doing, I don't think anybody's ever offered you that kind of help. No. Because sometimes you get a lot of that comes around you and it remotely, it can attach itself to you, the energy, if they're trying to do that. All I've been doing is doing Reiki on both of you. I've opened up your throat chakra, Scott, so that you can speak your mind and stop worrying. I knew there was something that was outside the world that was bothering you. I'm yeah. glad you asked me that. Yeah. So you guys got to learn to help yourselves, and I will gladly do that as often as I can. I Don't hesitate. Sincerely appreciate that, Jim. We really, yeah. really do. Where can people find what you're going to be doing next? Because you're you're not going to be on Knock Knock Ghost anymore. Is that correct? No, I've left Knock Knock Ghost on some creative differences. I wanted to be an executive producer on the show so that I can give some information to people, and that just wasn't working out. Uh, we're starting a new show. I'm with an independent filmmaker. We're trying to do the best. We're putting our monies together to make this first pilot. We are pretty sure that it's going to be well received. Some people from a major Canadian network are waiting for it. Um, we're hoping that we can get it on the U.S. network, which is going to be very hard, as you guys know. Very difficult. I'm hoping by September, October, we'll have it out there to be put out on YouTube, and uh, we'll just see where it goes from there. If anybody needs to talk to me, it's jghuntconsulting.com, and you can book me at any time, and 
we'll just have some fun with it because it's always good to read strangers and give them a perspective on what's going to happen next. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It was fascinating. Absolutely. Thank you both. I appreciate this. I wish you all the best. And uh, don't hesitate to keep in touch, Scott, because now I've locked in on you. So you don't have much choice. You're going to feel that burden from me without any choice. Okay. And okay. for us, now that I know that you're traveling, I'm going to keep an eye on you too. It's thank what we do. Thank you so much. Thank okay. you so much. All right. All right. Seriously. All the best to everybody. Thank All right. You. All right, Take Jim. Care. Thank you very much. All right. Peace. Bye-bye. Peace. That's going to wrap up our show with intuitive psychic medium, James G. Hunt. Thanks for coming on the show, Jim. We're dark next week, but we'll be back with a new show the week after that. Please remember to support our sponsors. They help keep the show free and the lights on in Blanket Fortiana. Special thanks to John Bolin. Hi, I'm Greg Lawson. Hi, this is Rod Payton. These are my listener segues. Segway number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. And number six. And second one here for number six. Our show is edited by Sarah Voorhees-Wendell and co-produced by Tess Feifel, who is also our head of research. Our theme, which is available as a ringtone, was composed by Judson Crane, and our sound design and additional composing is by Ryan McCullough. Special thanks to the Astonishing Research Corps. But most importantly, we want to thank you, our listeners. Visit our store at astonishinglegends.com or interact with us and other listeners on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash astonishinglegends, where patrons have access to additional bonus content. No part of this show may be reproduced anywhere without permission. Copyright Astonishing Legends Productions. Good night. <laughs>